The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. I think he's Todd Vandenberg. His camera is not working this week. I can't see him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still Rob Steele. Yes. And you can't see me either because this is radio. Yeah. Um, just saying. And I know last week I did kind of make a thing about us thing. not doing anything about Marvel for the <laughs> first time in forever. Yeah, well. We didn't really have a Marvel story. We didn't really have a Disney story this week. Our two news stories. Boy, one we is a have Marvel and Disney stories. <laughs> one, one's a one's a good news thing. Yes. One if isn't it's the one I'm thinking. If it's the one I'm thinking you're thinking of, then it's a good news thing. It's a great news thing. If it's the one I'm thinking you're thinking of, does it have to do with Daredevil? It does. Okay, it makes, good. It brings me joy. There is a massive rumor. I have seen no confirmation yet. Have you seen confirmation on this? I have only seen confirmation in as much as the same you've seen, I'm sure, where it's like, oh, sources that have been right almost all the time with other links. And they're the same sources for this story, which is, that's pretty solid. Plus, it just makes sense. Oh, my God. There will be a season four. But, and this is is a small but, not like a J-Lo but, more like a... (laughs) <laughs> that was Hannah rude. Montana, is, but it's a very small show. butt. Um, it's going to be a soft reboot. Yes. By the way, that's not the Daredevil news I thought you were talking about. But this is oh. fantastic Daredevil news. Okay. What what Daredevil news do you have? No. Let's let's, let's still continue this story because this is great. I love this. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, allegedly a Disney Plus series, although it could end up on Hulu because it's the same thing, really. Yes. Um. And I hope it goes to Hulu because Hulu is more likely going to be have a harder edge to it right. than, than Disney+. Plus. Not that Disney+, Plus hasn't had... I mean, there have been some pretty strong material in the Marvel Universe, the MCU, Disney+, Plus series. But Daredevil deserves to be even stronger. Darker. Darker. Harder. And, so I love the fact that they're doing us well, allegedly, that they're doing a soft reboot, but they're including the all-important Mr. Cox because... I've even heard that Vincent D'Onofrio may be coming back. There you go. There's a That's rumor. the other big rumor. It's and a that, rumor. And that he's actually going to come back in Hawkeye. That's the strong rumor now, which Ooh. is kind of odd, but... Because I don't recall any ties with Hawkeye, but there are ties with a character who is confirmed to be in the Hawkeye series, Echo. And there are strong ties between Kingpin and Echo. And the tie-in, of course, is Mr. D'Onofrio, because it freaking has to be him playing Kingpin. Because Marvel's done a terrific job. Yeah, Marvel's done a terrific job with casting. There's, there's absolutely no way around that. And it's hard to imagine other actors playing these roles. But... If there's anyone, two actors, I, there are not any two actors that are more iconic than Cox as Daredevil, D'Onofrio as Kingpin. And I'm including Robert Downey Jr., who was freaking born to play Tony Stark. But, I mean, these people just inhabit these roles. They are so good. I don't know. And I thought f- Tom Skerritt would have made a great Iron Man if it had been made back in the 80s. Tom Skerritt would have been an, an excellent Iron Man. I agree. And totally could have pulled off the demon in the bottle storyline, which I really wish they would do at some point. But anyway, regardless, 
Yeah, and there's strong rumors that D'Onofrio will then wind up in one of the Sony Spider-Man films because he was a huge nemesis for Spider-Man. So it would be weird considering that we've had, you know, Thanos as the overarching villain. And now apparently we're going to have Kang. But Kingpin fits that role as well as anybody in the Marvel Universe, even though he's a guy. Yeah. But but for the street... free, he's just big. For the street-level heroes, there's been no character that had, no pun intended, a bigger impact than Kingpin in the Marvel Universe. And, and, and D'Onofrio was amazing in that role. You actually feel sympathy on occasion. And... He's a horrible, horrible person. Horrible. Not D'Onofrio. I don't know him. Maybe he is. But Kingpin is just a... Yeah, he's not a good... He's not a nice person at all. And yet he makes him sympathetic and you can empathize with him and you can feel... This has turned into the Vincent D'Onofrio hour and that's okay. But man, I hope this is true. And... The sources have been right so many times, it really looks like it is. So, yes, we've been asking for Charlie Cox to come back as Daredevil because he's perfect. And, yes, we've been acting asking for D'Onofrio. So, soft reboot? Fine, sure. I, I would like them to bring back all the main actors, but they don't have to. I don't to. think they're going to, but you know I what? That's right, fine. Because that's the soft reboot. But you've got to get those two back, and it sounds like they are. And that's fantastic news out of Marvel, Disney. Now, there, you mentioned Hawkeye a minute ago. Yes. Actually, you know what? Before we get to Hawkeye, you meant, you had another Daredevil thing? That was the other Daredevil thing, just okay. tied in that D'Onofrio is apparently going to be popping up, allegedly, first in Hawkeye. And then, depending on when they're doing the uh, Daredevil series, he may wind up even in a Spider-Man film before Daredevil. It just depends I on the time. I see him being in the She-Hulk series, too. Uh, well, that's the thing. He can pop up in a lot of these because he has ties through the comics through so many characters. Yeah. So, and who doesn't want D'Onofrio's best role? I mean, absolutely, I believe that's his best role. And he's done some fantastic work. But, I mean, that's, he's perfect in this role. Absolutely perfect. And it's a fantastic character. So that this is like... See, I may have made a tactical God's error, though. News. What was your tactical error? Did you fire Charlie Cox? No. I, I have been going back and reading <laughs> some of the old Avengers books. Yes. And I know Hawkeye is coming out with a series soon. Yes. But I've been reading these old books, and Hawkeye's a bit of a d- More than a bit. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm being nice about it, and... Some of you are going to go, ooh, that's a word he beeped. It must be horrible. Yeah, it is, because he's I, – I, I liked the character in the movies, despite all the you-don't-shoot-a-bow-that-way references. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, I'm I'm really souring on the character by reading all these books. But that's my segue, going from Daredevil to Kingpin to Hawkeye – to Hawkeye's best buddy, and what happened to the love interest here, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. Yeah, ScarJo's upset. Uh, She's got a reason to be, though. She has a reason to be upset. She's she's upset about the same thing that the movie theater industry is upset about, because they came out 
because for those that don't know, Black Widow took had the largest second week drop of any MCU film. Yep. I don't remember what the percentage was, but it was over 60, wasn't it? I want to say it was closer to 70. But yeah. That's what I was thinking. It was like 65, 67%, which is a gigantic drop. And obviously, when you get a big blockbuster hit and it has a gigantic drop, and in a series that's never had a big drop, I mean, that's one of the hallmarks of the Marvel films is they, they don't leave really well. We talked about this a couple months ago that Black Panther just hardly dropped at all for like weeks. It was just incredible, which is yeah. how you get a billion dollars. But Black Widow had a gigantic drop. And I thought about it initially. I thought, well, you know, I can see that because the people, the fans, wanted they would come out. And then, and, but the big fans came out already. And a lot of people, like my daughter, is like, well, I know what's going to happen because, spoiler alert, in a movie that came out a few years ago, she winds up dying in the other film, and this is a prequel, so she's got to make it through this movie so she can do that movie, which has already been done. So, you know, it takes away some of that suspense. Okay, so that aside, last was it like, no, it was two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that Disney was crowing about the fact that they did $60 million on their premium add-on. Yep. That if you have Disney Plus, spend $29.99. And you can watch Black Widow as many times as you want, as long as you subscribe to Disney Plus, which is kind of a dickish thing because I don't like that because it's basically a $30 rental. And once you stop subscribing to Disney Plus, which I probably never will, but once you do, that movie's gone. It's like if you sold it for $30, I would buy it, but you're renting it. No, no, thank you. That's a business model. Regardless, 2 million people did it because they had the first week. $60 million, $29.99, 2 million people did it. I don't think it's I, – I, I'm going to change this a little bit. I don't think it's a rental. I think it's a lease. Granted, it's a lease. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll give you that. But it still sucks because oh, yeah. 30 bucks for a lease, no. So 2 million people get it. Now, here's, here's the interesting part. That doesn't mean 2 million people didn't go to the movies to see this. That means – Let's see, Disney Plus, the majority of Disney Plus subscribers have children under 10. So there's, they, these are families. These are not typical single people that have Disney Plus. These are families. So a rough estimate, that means four people for every ticket didn't go to the theaters. Not one, four people. Four people times 10 bucks. The average ticket price right now is like 961 or something like that. But let's go with 10. Because it's first run. So, okay, 10 bucks. So now that's 40 bucks that you lost. Here's another thing Disney officially allows you to share your account with up seven other accounts. They officially, this is not like, well, you know, they kind of wink. They officially allow you to have seven different sign ins, they officially allow four simultaneous streams. How many people do you think have a Disney Plus account that share that with family members that are not in the same household? I'm one of them. Uh, yeah, same here. You know, so at a, at a very conservative estimate, I would say that if you spent the $29.99 for Black Widow, you obviously let your friends know that you're and family that you're sharing Disney Plus with. So let's say 10 people watch Black Widow at home instead of going to the theaters. Yeah. 10 times 2 million. That's 20 million tickets. 
times 10, that's $200 million that you knocked out. And that, that's, okay, maybe that's on the high end, but I guarantee you it had to be at least $100 million. There's no way in hell that the average, that the average of views of streams of Black Widow wasn't at least five per Disney Plus subscriber. No way in hell. Does anybody think that fewer than five people per account watch that? Or maybe the same person, <clears throat> you know, the diehard fans who would go see opening night and then they'll see it the next weekend. Which is when or the next day or the next drop. next screening. So absolutely, that cost two hundred million dollars at the box office. Of course, the movie theaters were upset, and of course, Scarlett Johansson. Now we're finally getting to the story. Thanks for bearing the lead. We should have talked talked about that in pre Hi, Ted. So, <laughs> whew, I got that in. So, ScarJo is that would be Scarlett Johansson to people who don't know her as ScarJo. Uh, is understandably upset because her deal was she got a percentage of the film. So, of course, the the theatrical release, not not the streaming cut, which the streaming cut would be less than the theatrical release anyway. But, of course, so she's upset. She is suing because there's actually two other bits to that that she's not happy about. Yeah, this gets very complex. Continue, sir. Um, the the other bits that she's very, uh, very disappointed with, uh, I think the main one is that they're using Black Widow to advertise Disney Plus. Right. She's getting none of that. Right. Um, you know, free advertising, and you kind of go, really? <clears throat> I mean, that 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 may be may seem petty, but advertising is is big business. It's her livelihood. It's not petty. Disney thinks it's petty. Oh, Disney thinks it's petty. But it isn't. Yeah, Disney is uh, pretty much dismissing it. Uh, now, the, the the other thing that I think is, is kind of big is that it may change her contract with mm-hmm. Disney. And this one's kind of weird because she signed a, and I, I what is it, a six or seven movie deal to be in all these movies as Black Widow. And they have to, because of the way the contract is phrased, they have to be theatrically theatrically released. But the catch is, this was released theatrically, but it was also released at home at the same time. Therefore, she may still be contractually obligated to do, to do at least one more film with them. Which is going to be tricky since her character is dead. A couple times over, Yes. Yeah, Disney said it has no merit whatsoever and, quote, this is from Disney, especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Whoa, 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 whoa. What the hell does your decision to release a film day and date streaming? You've, I'm sorry, you didn't release this streaming when the film was originally going to come out, when there were no theatrical releases. Then you a could have said, half ago. then you could have said, OK, that was callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects It's like, no, you chose to do day and date release when theaters are open. So that has nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it. She's not arguing that, oh, you breached my contract because you didn't release it when it's supposed to come out. She's arguing that you cut into a huge chunk of money. She said 
Her suit states that this may have cost her more than $50 million. And I'm sorry, we talked about this in pre-pro again. Hi, Ted. Hi, Ted. For the people who, you know, say, oh, my God, she made $20 million. She's complaining. Guess what? She's labor. I don't give a crap if she made $20 million. I don't give a crap if she made $100 million. There's someone who has more money that's signing that check. I do not, for the life of me, understand how people... You know, say, oh, my God, how can they be asking for more money? It's like athletes. Oh, hey, a $250 million contract. How They're so greedy. It's like, uh, mm, wait a minute. Someone's, <laughs> giving one, it to them. someone's giving that money to them. Someone has more money than they do because they're signing the check. Yeah, yep. that's a lot of money. Basically, they, are, they screwed her out of her due compensation to build their business. I... Kevin Feige, now this has been reported in numerous outlets, and I mean outlets like actual legitimate sources, not like something that I wrote, that reportedly he is embarrassed that Disney is doing did this to ScarJo. He's angry and embarrassed over Disney's response to her lawsuit. He lobbied very hard, and this story was out, months ago against the day and date plan for Black Widow because not only because of he wanted it to be on the big screen, very similar to Christopher Nolan, right, who pushed really hard for Tenet to be released theatrically only, but also because the talent had deals because it was built on their compensation was built on the revenue from the theatrical release. So this is not going to cause a rift between Feige and Disney. It's not like, oh, oh, there's trouble in well, there's trouble in paradise, but it's not like Feige's going to pull Marvel out of Disney because first place he doesn't have that power, and he's not yeah. going to leave Marvel over this. But it's not really smart to piss off talent like Scarlett Johansson, who's a terrific actress. It's really not smart to piss off the one person who's engineered. How many billions, billions, of, and dollars? billions of dollars? And and yeah, you can say John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. started, and they did. But Feige is the one who's marshaled this all the way through. He's the one who did not let the MCU turn into what the cluster, you know what, that DC has been, where they occasionally have good movies, and then they have like, what the hell was that? Because they don't have someone with vision guiding them and making sure that their product matches what it's supposed to be. Marvel is incredibly lucky that they do have Feige doing this. So, yeah, this is a big, big story. This is not just some rich girl who's like, oh, I didn't get paid enough. It's like Disney screwed her out of money. Disney screwed a lot of talent out of money. Disney cut their own throats by doing this theatrical not the theatrical, by doing this streaming deal, not really thinking about the fact of how big an impact this would have on the theatrical re- release. The theater owners are not happy at all. So, and they've already announced that they're that Jungle Cruise is the last one that they're going to do this with. Jungle Cruise comes out, I believe, next week or that two weeks. Right. And that's also going to be in Disney+. Plus. That's the last one. So, interesting that... Disney's response to Scarlet is like, well, you made $20 million. You should be happy with that. And yet they 
are basically admitting, yeah, that was a mistake because we're not doing that anymore. So, yeah, Disney is not exactly the warm fuzzy. Remember, Disney, of course, is the company that has repeatedly sued like daycare centers for having murals of Mickey Mouse because they want their cut. Uh, you know. You got to do some happy stuff now. Yeah, I'm ready for some happy stuff. So, yeah, kind of like if this was a different show, I would say exactly what I think of Disney, but I won't because it's not that show. But, yeah, not <laughs> not family-friendly response. Yeah. Yeah, we, we apologize for any any Morse code you may have heard during the show up to this point. <laughs> it's it's just it's not a happy story. No, it is not. Um, and actually, I'll be honest, the first review I've got, it's not particularly happy either. <laughs> well, it's not terrible like this was it no 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 okay well then good it's it's just it, it it's it's about a movie that i watched this week i introduced my daughter who you know who's on summer vacation i'm trying to introduce her to some movies that she should have seen by now ah what a good dad that that i mean that's why i reviewed blues brothers a couple of weeks ago that's very yes. and uh this week keeping in the dan Aykroyd theme we watched ghostbusters Oh, God, I thought you were going to say Dr. Detroit. I'm glad no. it was Ghostbusters. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, um, I'm trying to figure out how we got this far without her seeing it, because she's a yeah. teenager. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. But, you know, and, and then I watched it, and I realized, I'm not sure I've watched it this millennium. I remember <laughs> every scene, but I'm not sure I'd watched it yet, this millennium. Uh, which, you know, considering she was born during this millennium, oh, that explains things. Got it. Yeah. So I watched the 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 original, the 1984 Ghostbusters. The only real one. And uh, I got to say, as much as I enjoyed the movie when it came out and I enjoyed it. I even enjoyed it watching it this week. But it's not exactly aging well. <clears throat> I mean, there, there there's just enough of it. That is not current it because there's some movies you watch and you can see them lasting over time because there are things in it that aren't going to change fundamental laws of physics basically those are never going to change there are i think a lot of the things that i had issues with now uh, with ghostbusters would be things like look at the technology they're using yes i've got this massive computer behind me that currently i have in real life on my phone. You know, it, it's it's little things like that that made my daughter not <laughs> like it as much as, you know, we did mm-hmm. when it came out. It's still a good movie. If somehow you are like my daughter and had not seen it until now, you should see it. It's still good. Um, but you're going to see some stuff that is that is quite dated, unfortunately. Um and actually, I think the other reason I watched it this week is because there's a finally a second full trailer for the uh, for Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was one of the movies that was supposed to come out last year, finally coming out in November. Geez, just come on, put, put this movie out already. Um, it looks really good to the point that it may be the best of the Ghostbuster movies. I mean, it looks it, 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 it has <clears throat> the potential for being a movie of the year candidate. 
it looks that damn good. So, see, I, I started with something crap and ended up with something, hey, here's something to look forward to. Indeed. And I do have another review. We're ending the show with it because it's good news. And it involves DC. Who knew? I'll take it. I have two films. I'll start with the... Yeah, I'll start with the old one. So Hitchcock is one of my favorite directors by far. And I do mean Alfred Hitchcock, not some other kind of Hitchcock. Steve, uh, Steve, Steve Hitchcock. Steve Hitchcock. Probably is a Steve Hitchcock. So, and obviously he did a large number of absolute all-time film classics. One of them, and at times I feel this is his best film, and it doesn't really get anywhere near the credit that's Films like Vertigo, Rear Window, North by Northwest, Psycho, just to name a few of all-time great film classics get. But 1946's Notorious may be his best film, and it just isn't that well-known. The plotline is, stars Cary Grant, Ingrid Bergman, so that's kind of fun. Ingrid Bergman is the daughter of a nazi sympathizer who is sentenced to 20 years in prison for and again this is 1946 so we just got rid of the nazi well we haven't completely gotten rid of the nazis sadly but we just defeated the main group of the nazis and her dad is carted off to jail for doing bad things against the united states And everyone wants to talk to her and see how she feels about it. And is she sympathetic to her dad and blah, 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 blah. Well, the United States thinks that she may have some information or she may be able to get some information for them. So they assign an agent, played by Cary Grant, to befriend her and basically use her to get close to someone who is possibly running a spy ring and possibly has some very interesting information that ties to the Nazis and their war effort and maybe the fact that they might come back and try something. So the problem with this story is, not the problem with the story itself, but as far as the characters are concerned, is that he makes the really bad mistake of falling in love with her. Oops. It's Ingrid Bergman kind of understandable she makes the not such a big mistake for her but again it's Cary grant she falls in love with him however he is basically pimping her out to the character played by claude rains because he is the guy who may have links to the nazis and they are trying to find the information that he has or maybe the item that he has and it turns out we talked about the MacGuffin. actually you talked about the MacGuffin just last week MacGuffin is a plot device that it seems like that's what the film rotates, goes around, but it's really just a device and it doesn't really matter. It's just something to carry your interest while the real themes play out. Well, in this case, I won't say exactly what it is, but apparently Claude Rains is in possession of something that those Nazis who are still out there could really use. So they use Ingrid Bergman to get close to him so she can get the information from him and maybe even get a key to a particular uh, little wine cellar because that's where the MacGuffin is hidden. And if she can get the key, then she can get it to Cary Grant and Cary Grant can get it and get the evidence and they can arrest this guy. So there's a love triangle. Claude Rains is a very sympathetic character, even though 
yeah, he's not a good person. Um, and maybe he tries to kill his wife because, yes, she winds up marrying him just at the behest of the United States government, which is a really kind of a horrible thing to do. It's like, oh, by the way, young lady, uh, we know that you're, you know, okay, you used to be kind of a loose woman, but what we want you to do is we're going to be your pimp, and we want you to not only just hook up with this guy, but marry him. It's like, yeah, pretty pretty awful. So there's some pretty crappy things that the U.S. government does to this poor lady. But it's in service of getting the MacGuffin, which really doesn't matter because that's not what the story about. The story is about the, the love story between Cary Grant, who is probably the best looking he's ever been in any film, which says a lot, Ingrid Bergman. And she probably possibly looks better in this film than she did in Casablanca, which is ridiculous. I mean, kind of an attractive film couple. So it's this fabulous love story. It's this fabulous espionage tale. It's this very cool mystery as to what's going on. Terrific talent. And you've got the backstory of the MacGuffin that, again, this came out in 1946. It was filmed, came out in April of 1946. So they were filming this in 1945. The MacGuffin involves something that the United States government actually did have a lot of interest in. And they actually sent the, they didn't, I don't think it was even was the FBI at that point, I think it was the OSS. They sent agents to talk to Alfred Hitchcock and ask him, what exactly do you know about this? And he said, I don't know, I just use this. And he says, okay, well, do us a favor. Uh, can you change you that? Can you, can you change this in this film? Because we don't really want you to talk about this. And actually, they delayed the release of the film a little bit. So he actually was investigated by the United States government because he kind of latched on to something which actually did have a lot of importance purely by happenstance. So, that is actually pretty cool. Yeah. So the MacGuffin, outside of the film was tremendously important within the context of the film. It's just a MacGuffin. It doesn't really make it. It's just like a plot device to move the plot along. That's all it was. So pretty crazy backstory on this. But I think part, part, part of the reason that this is not renowned as like his best film, and I can see, okay, maybe it's not his best, but it's certainly one of his top three. It's black and white. And that holds it back for some people because some people are crazy. But I mean, that's the only reason, because Jesus has got two of the best stars ever in the history of film at the top of their top of their performance. And it's a complex relationship between them. It's not just a love story. There's a lot of love, hate, angst, anguish. It's a really compelling personal story. It's a great espionage tale. Claude Rains is awesome. It does. It does. Yeah, it does have a bit of one of Hitchcock's weird flaws is, and I'm sure everyone has seen, people seen this, you've seen the birds, and you know how bad the processing is with the birds, where it looks like, I don't know, it looks like I filmed it, because it's so obviously green screened. Hitchcock <laughs> always did that. The process work for Hitchcock's films is always terrible. I mean, they're driving in a car, Grant and... And Bergman, which is a wonderful scene because she's driving and she's drunk and she doesn't care. And and Grant's just kind of smirking. So I'm going to wipe that smile off your face. And she goes to like 120. And but it's so obviously rear projection screen because it doesn't even match that well. 
It's like he was deliberately, I, I can't believe he didn't do this deliberately, just to remind you that you're watching a film. Because I've never seen a Hitchcock film where the where the processing is even good. Usually it's terrible, which is just bizarre. But anyway, <clears throat> awesome film. Absolutely awesome film. This is available on various streaming services, and I believe it's available on, and I had it written down, and I should have kept this handy in uh, pre-pearl high Ted. I think it's on Canopy. No, 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 I'm sorry. It's on Tubi, which is, you've mentioned it before, Tubi is one of the free streaming services. And, of course, you have to put up with a few ads, but Tubi, as in T-U-B-I, if you have Roku. He's in Victor. No, Tubi, sorry. Tubi, T-U-B-I. B is in... Like a tuba, but with an I instead of an A. Uh, So if you have a Roku, you can subscribe to it. You can just go to Tubi, I think it's Tubi.tv or Tubi.com anyway has lots of terrific films, but that is on there. It, and I guarantee you, odds are, unless you're a major Hitchcock fan, you've not seen this film, and it's a terrific film. Absolutely one of the best films that Hitchcock ever did, which means it's one of the best films ever. Awesome film. The other movie I watched, I wouldn't say it's one of the best films ever, but it's one of the best films that came out this year. It's called In the Earth. This did come out this year. And I missed this completely. I don't even know the title. Oh, this is just—it's just one of these small. It, this would not would have not have made a lot of money in 2019. It's just one of these small films that would play at art house theaters and stuff like this. Concept of this film is there's something strange going on in a park, in a, like a state park, national park. It's been all kind of basically cut off. No one really knows what's going on. A couple people go and investigate a park ranger who's not just a park ranger, but she's a scientist, and then a scientist from a university, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they come across some really odd guy who initially tries to help them and then kidnaps them and then injures them and apparently has plans to sacrifice them to some, I don't know, weird tree spirit elder god kind of bizarre thing. They manage to escape from him, and they run into a lady that the university scientists had a relationship with a few years ago and she disappeared. She'd been doing research on this particular phenomenon and no one heard from her for like six or seven years. Oh my God, there she is. And she's helping them and then it turns out maybe she's not helping them either. So it gets pretty weird and pretty spacey. Uh, Several sites have said this is the best horror movie of the year. Several others said it's one of the best. I would say it's one of the best. It's suspenseful uh it does have a little bit of body horror it does have i would say it's like a low rent version of annihilation which i thought annihilation was terrific uh also didn't make a whole lot of money and it's also kind of a weird twisted story but it's like a much smaller version a low budget version of annihilation where there's something strange going on in an area people going to investigate it and bad things happen to those people is that the Natalie Portman film? That is the Natalie Portman film, exactly. Okay. Jennifer Jason Lee, et cetera, which is a terrific movie, but it's a, a really dense, weird movie. I mean, that's one of the movies that if you you watch it once and if you like it, you need to watch it again because you'll like it more the second time. If you don't like it, you're not going to like it more the second time. It's like you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll hate it. You'll wind up hating it. So, But this is similar to that film, so it has a similar vibe. So, again, this is called In the Earth. 
This is available on one of the streaming services that I've talked about called Canopy. That's Canopy with a K. You got a library card, you can get Canopy. Odds are. Or if you can't get Canopy, you can get Hoopla, which is one of the other major streaming services that libraries are tied into. And I cannot recommend either of those enough. Canopy.com, Canopy with a K. Hoopla.com, like H-O-O-P-L-A. Uh, Hoopla, Canopy has more films, has a broader variety of films. Hoopla has not as many films, but they also have audiobooks, graphic novels, ebooks, uh, tons of stuff that you can get from Hoopla. So, uh, most cases, you can't get both from one library, but in a lot of areas, you can get library card from two different library systems and then you're in. So, anyway, uh, In the Earth, very good, weird horror film. Uh, it's one of those films that doesn't have doesn't have jump scares, but it definitely has a lot of tension and suspense. Uh, good acting. It's low budget, but doesn't look like it. Very good film. So uh, a classic from the 40s. And I wouldn't say it's a classic, but definitely a horror film worth watching that just came out a couple months ago, In the Earth. How about a gangster crime film that came out this past week? You want Ooh, one of those? I want them. I want that. I'll add a bit to it. It's a DC animated film. Even better. So, you know, it, there's a good chance it's going to be good, and it is. I actually reviewed part one of this a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't think part two was coming out until next month. Guess what? I'm wrong. Really? Cool. The Long Halloween Part 2 now available at a streaming service near you. I'm excited. And if you watched part one and went, yeah, I want to see what happens, you can. And if you <laughs> haven't seen part one yet and we're waiting for part two to come out so you can binge watch them, that'll take a whopping three hours. Um, yeah, do it. And if you haven't heard of either, get them both. Oh, yeah, please. These, th This is one of the best Batman stories that anyone has ever written. It was spectacularly done the first time uh, in part one. Part two, guess what? It looks the same. <laughs> Imagine that. What a concept. I mean, it's not like they you know, spent years between them. They were making them both at the same time. There are some very minor differences between the book version and this. And you know, by very minor, I mean- It's okay. You're not gonna care. I mean, you can kind of go, ooh, Catwoman wasn't supposed to be in that scene, and she is now, and she doesn't do anything of significance, so who cares? It's Catwoman. You know, um, this is, if you don't know the storyline because you missed our last review, shame on you. You should have been listening. Yes, you should have. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Anyway, th this cool. basically is Batman Year 3. Uh, there's a big gang war in Gotham between the Maroney family and the Falcone family. Uh, somebody's picking off the uh, Falcone family uh, on holidays. And that, that's uh, the name of the killer that they, well, the name they give the killer is Holiday because that's when he strikes on holidays. How about that? They initially think it's, and yes, this is a DC villain, Calendar Man, who had kind of the same, you know, uh, MO. But it's not. He's been in Arkham the whole time. At one point in part two, this is not much of a spoiler. Everyone gets broken out of Arkham 
except him. <laughs> and yes, there is a scene of him going, you, you, you left someone behind. Can, can I go to, I'd like to leave. Can I go? No, they left him here. It's kind of funny. That's actually, I think, one of the few funny parts of this movie. The rest of it is a very well done whodunit. Because yeah. uh, you spend a lot of time trying to figure out who did who did do this. There, there are times when you think, oh, it's it's the Falcone family. They're picking themselves off. No, it's the Maroni family. It's the Joker. Yes, he's in this. It could be the Penguin. He's in this, too. Um, you run through a good chunk of the rogues gallery of Batman because they're in this. Uh, the first movie, I don't recall having Scarecrow or Mad Hatter. Guess what? They're in this one. Although, I will have to throw this out. Throw it out. The worst part of this is the Mad Hatter, who probably should have been just thrown out of the movie entirely. <laughs> Rude? Because it, it, if you know the Mad Hatter, the character, his thing is is mind control by putting little cards that have computer chips on people in people whatever and controlling them he does not do that in this movie he does a good job of reciting alice in wonderland stuff and getting punched in the face that's about it that's his job um and that's all he's there for cut him uh because they he is the one character i think through this whole thing that is drawn just too weirdly. Yeah. Sometimes there are bat characters you look at and you go that you kind of have to draw them weird for him to make sense. Like the scarecrow. Yeah. He has to kind of look a little bit weird, a little bit scary. Mad Hatter just looks a little bit wrong. <laughs> um, and no offense to John DiMaggio who voiced him, but dude, I've heard you do a lot better. <clears throat> Ooh, harsh. Just saying. <laughs> But yeah, he's not in it enough for you to skip this movie. Watch this movie. It's really good. And I'm going to tell you what I told you with the first one. Sit through the credits. Because if you yes. did not sit through the credits on the first one, it picks up after that post credit scene in the first film. Oh, nice. It's very important. You need to watch that. I suspect that there's going to be a future movie. That's going to pick up where this one's post-credit scene and uh, left off. Ooh, very nice. It is, I think, almost a ten-second scene, but it introduces two very important characters. Excellent. I'm not going to tell you who. You got to watch it. You're going to look out. at it. And you're going to go, "I like this." So, so I have a couple questions for you. <clears throat> go right ahead. The the. The series, the comic series, which then they put together as a graphic novel. When we talked about this before, was it 12 issues or 13 issues? Doesn't matter, the graphic novel. Generally right. acknowledged as the best detective story of of the decades and decades and decades of Batman. Because that's yes. what it is. It's a detective story. And he is the world's greatest detective. Not in this story, he's not. Because uh, he's not, it's because he's, three, it he's working right. his way toward it. Exactly. Which is part of the fun of it. This <laughs> is like Batman begins... But he's already begun, but he's working towards it, which is part of the joy of this story. Right. And I haven't seen the second part yet, but I've seen the first part and totally agree. I mean, it's like one of the best Batman. Well, I was going to say one of the best Batman animated movies. No, it's one of the best Batman movies, period. Is this the best presentation of Batman as a detective? 
granted, he's not the world's greatest detective yet, like he said, but is this the best presentation of Batman's working as a detective in movies, including all the regular live action and animated? I'm going to put it right up there at, uh, not necessarily at the top, but at least near it. <clears throat> I thought there were a few episodes of Batman the Animated Series well, where they yeah. did a really good job of him doing the detective stuff. Yes. And actually, the, uh, I reviewed this a few weeks ago, too. The Batman series, which came out in 2004, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, they do a lot of detective stuff in that series, too. Which is great. Because to, to me, that was always part of the appeal of Batman as a, the comics as a kid growing up was some of the detective stories. It exactly. wasn't it wasn't so much. Pal Biff. Yeah, exactly. Tiffany. It wasn't that wasn't what made Batman so. <laughs> that takes a minute to catch on to, doesn't it? It wasn't that much because you got that with most comic book characters. But Bonk, song, very shoe. few characters that you got actually complex mysteries with with batman that you really didn't get with many other or didn't get with any other characters practically the question yeah. but the question was i've been saying so i'm really happy to see that they took an iconic like one of the best batman storylines ever and they did such a great job with it yeah it's it's different from what we've seen but it's it's different and that's okay. It's not like different. Oh, let's just trash it and just do something just to be different. It's a different look and it works. I think it's yeah. really well done. Voice acting is okay. It's not maybe iconic, but it's really, really good. I don't know. There, um, the guy who did Joker in this, uh, Troy Baker, um, he's not quite Mark Hamill, right. but he does it Mark Hamill-ish. Marvin Hamill-ish? Mark Hamill. <laughs> Anyway, yes. So, you know, it'll do, uh, there were times in this when I went, is that Mark Hamill? I don't remember seeing him in the credits of the first one. Um, and it's not. It's Troy Baker. But he did a good job. I think the only person who uh, I might have recast in this would have... Dude, I'm sorry. It would have been John DiMaggio. Joe's little who, uh, And it, it's not John's fault. I would have just cut the Mad Hatter character entirely. Yeah. And just let comic fans go, you left the Mad Hatter out. And in yeah, and. Yeah. They, they, I mean, uh, for, for one thing, and we talked about this before when you first reviewed the, the part one, is I love the fact that they gave space and time for this story to breathe. They didn't try to make an 80-minute movie, which is what most of the DC animated films are. Right. Sometimes they're 70 minutes. And this is a long story. It's a pretty thick graphic novel. So they didn't just like, oh, let's chop this, chop. They still cut stuff out. But... Yeah, the, the, the fight between Batman and Solomon Grundy doesn't happen. You know what? It doesn't need to. It's right. fine. Yeah. Which is kind of a shame. But we've seen that fight several times. And, the, and those fights almost always go the same way. Yeah. And so, so you know... It's still a, a good movie. I'm going to recommend both of them. I'm even going to recommend Ghostbusters. And yes, I've seen Notorious. It was very good. I have not seen In the Earth, but you know what? I'll, I'll give it a watch and see if it's better than Werewolves Begin as far, far as horror movies that oh, were good this year. I haven't had a chance to catch that yet, but I have a feeling it won't be. But let me ask you a question. 
back to the, the, um, the long Halloween. Is that a good movie or is that a great movie? <clears throat> Sorry, which one again? The Batman flick that you reviewed. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm thinking I'm it's not, more like great. I'm going to go with good plus great minus. <laughs> okay. It, it, there there are a couple things that, to me, keep it from being great, and it it's not the acting, it's not the story, it's not the script. It's, that it's not even necessarily the, the art and the animation, although it is an animation thing I have a problem with, and that is the cars turning at 90-degree angles. And, you know, if that's all that's key, for me, that's keeping it from being a great movie, then you're probably going to think it's a great movie because it's me being picky. If you didn't watch Top Gear so much, you probably would have not noticed... <laughs> no, no, that I, I it's oh, quite noticeable because I was oh, waiting. It's for something I, I've noticed for years, and every time I see it, I'm like, oh, fingernails on a chalkboard, don't do that. That's why he uses a grappling hook in the movie so he can make that tight turn. I, if he had, that would have been fine, but it's the yeah. you know, the Ford LTD that's doing it as he runs away from the Batmobile, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it was a little much. But I'm really looking forward to seeing that and Werewolves Within, which I hope I catch, I'll catch this weekend. And, and we'll find out more about ScarJo's lawsuit. Tune in next week. Um, <clears throat> just saying. Anyway, uh, with regards to the theaters being open and all that the stuff with ScarJo's uh, lawsuit, did want to point out that, yes, there is a new COVID variant. It's not good for you. So get vaccinated and if you're going to go out somewhere, wear a mask. Otherwise, just stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Make your own damn sandwich.